Jesus, we love you, God, and we, we are grateful that you brought us here this morning to worship you, to seek you, God, to be with you. There's no other place we'd rather be, Lord, than to be with you and God's people. Lord, we pray for those who couldn't make it, whether they're sick or had other things going on, work or whatever it is, Lord. But we pray you be with them as well as be with us right now. Speak to us, God. Those online, God, may your spirit also touch them as your spirit touches us as we study your word. And God, as we get into your word, I pray for your Holy Spirit to give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, Lord, that we would be attentive, that we would be listening. And so, Lord, as we jump into this passage now, God, we pray that you come into our hearts with your Spirit. Anoint this time, and we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hey, some time ago here in Maui, there was a storm that blew through through right it was a thunderstorm and I remember uh, laying in bed and just seeing you know the sky like light up and if you look out sometimes you can catch one of those lightning strikes you know you know coming down in that way now I don't know if you've ever been afraid I've been in the water and a thunderstorm comes and there's flashes and I think oh what, what, what if the lightning hits the water or something like that right and uh, uh, they say that there's a one in a million chance that you will be struck by lightning. Unless your name is Roy Sullivan. Now, I came across this guy. He's a park ranger. And he's been struck by lightning a total of seven times. And he survived. Let me give you a little list of his the times where he experienced this. In 1942, he took shelter in a fire lookout tower and because of this storm coming in. And then lightning came in, struck his leg, uh, knocked his toenail off, burned a hole in his shoe, but he survived. Crazy, yeah? In 1969, he was driving a mountain road and the lightning struck this tree, bounced off the tree, and deflected into the actual open window of the truck he was driving and struck Sullivan unconscious, burned off his eyebrows, eyelashes, and his hair was caught on fire. <laughs> Crazy, huh? No, you can't allow it. I was reading this going, what? In 1970, the third time, he was walking to get mail. Just walking to get mail. The lightning struck a transformer nearby and jumped to him and seared his shoulder. In 1972, it struck his head, the lightning, set his hair on fire again, but again, he survived. 1973, he saw a storm coming, this thunderstorm coming. So as he was driving, you know what? He turned a truck around and sped away all the way in, you know, in the other direction. When he thought he was safe, he got out of the truck to look, and guess, guess what? He got struck by lightning on his left arm his left, uh, 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 and his left leg and went through his leg and knocked his shoe off. <laughs> That's so crazy. In 1976, the sixth time, he was out, park ranger duties, checking a campsite, and the lightning came, struck, and traveled down his chest and stomach, set his hair on fire again. And then, after all that, a bear came, and because he was fishing, tried to steal his trout. 
the last time, uh, the seventh time in 1977, uh, while fishing, it, 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 oh no, that was, that was the time when the bear tried to, to steal him. But the sixth time was it hit, he hurt his ankle. But anyway, you guys get, get the picture. I mean, this guy seven times. And no wonder he, he got this nickname, Sparky. <laughs> of course, what? What do you think? Yeah, how do you like that? I mean, if I were him, I would quit my job, not be outside in a park ranger and just stay indoors the whole time, right? I think I even read in the article that he went out to help his wife, like, hang clothes, and his wife is like, get out of here, get out of here. <laughs> well, storms come, lightning will hit, thunderclouds. But, you know, there's storms in life that come, too. And we feel like it's like lightning hitting us, like we're, we're, we're being jolted with these storms. But no matter what life storms bring, we have security in Jesus. We can survive it. An 1800s preacher, Jehoiada Brewer, said this, Should storms of sevenfold thunder roll and shake the globe from pole to pole, no flaming boat could daunt my face. For Jesus is my hiding place. I want you to know that this morning. Many of you have come in here and there's storms going on. There's, there's lightning flashing. The, 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 it's loud, the thunder. The wind is blowing. But today, as we continue our study in the book of 1 Peter, Peter's writing to show us all how to survive, how to get through those storms of life. So I've titled our message here, Weathering the Storm, Weathering the Storm. Now we're going to pick up from verse 13. Oh, I said we're going to finish the chapter. Sorry, we're not. One more week. We're going to go from verse 13 through 17 this morning. And uh, we're going to see how we can be weathering the storm. And as we finish last week in verse 12, we're picking up on verse 13. And this is how we're going to weather the storm. And this is how... Uh, what we're going to find here in our section, verse 13 through 17. And this is our outline. Number one, foster that passion for good. Number two, fear not when trouble comes. And number three, focus on honoring Jesus. And then one more, number four, follow your conscience closely. So that's what Peter's putting out for us. These are our points, and this is the heading in our outline. So, in weathering the storm, number one, Peter tells us, foster that passion for good. Foster that passion for good. We're going to begin here in verse 13. This section will cover just verse 13, but take a look at that with me here. It reads, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? So Peter begins here, he says, okay, now you guys, listen up. Who's going to harm you? In other words, it's not normal for people to be hostile to you, to mistreat you if you do good. And here he uses the word zealous. Now the word zealous, we know, it's, it's like with a passion. It's like going all out, pursuing with all of our heart. So here's Peter, look, if, if you have this passion, if you're zealous for doing good, 
you know, who, who's really going to really come against you and be hostile and mistreat you? Now, we see here Peter writing in verse 13 saying, now. So he's connecting that to what we saw last week, verses 8 through 12. And if you remember, we saw what I titled living the blessed life. We looked at, uh, I, I took that off of verse 10 where it says, whoever desires to love life and see good days. So Peter gave us this, the, these things so that we can live this blessed life. And really we're flowing into living good, doing good in this life. You remember last time we saw in verse 8 that, that we need to have a good heart, right? We need to be tender hearted, uh, have a humble mind, brotherly love, sympathy for one another. We, we, we learned that last week, to have that good heart. And then we saw in verse 9, we are, we are to have a gracious response, right? Don't repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling. This is where uh, we've been called to do. And we'll obtain that blessing if, if we give back, if we bless in return for someone doing evil for us. And we saw thirdly last week this godly ethic that we are, if we want to have that blessed life, we are to keep our tongue from evil, uh, from speaking deceit. Our conduct, uh, may it be right, that we would also seek peace, be a peacemaker. And then lastly, last week, we saw the great motivation, which is the eyes of the Lord are upon us, right? He's caring for us. He's not watching to judge us, but he's watching, taking care of us. His ears are there to hear our prayers, and he is there to judge those who mistreat us. So that's how we live a blessed life. And so now Peter's moving into this, coming off of that. He's saying, look, live like this. Do good in this manner. And, you know, if you live in that way, it's going to be hard for someone to really harm you, for, for them to really intentionally go after you all the time. Remember, as we got into this book, Peter's writing to these believers. And when this letter's being read in the churches and they're hearing what Peter's written, remember, these guys are going through intense persecution at this time. Caesar Nero is starting to burn Christians, throw them to the lions. And, and so society right now is hostile to Christians. Society is unfair, uh, treating Christians unfairly. They're prejudiced against them. There's physical violence going on. So Peter's saying, hey, you guys. self-protected because you know don't get that way because they're trying to take away your freedom because the more good you are and you live this way it'll be harder for them to actually approach you in that way in other words don't make it easy for them so he's saying in the middle of this foster that passion for good <laughs> keep doing that it's easy for us to retaliate. It's easy for us to revile back. It's easy for us to even give up on God, saying, Wow, God, did, did I, what did I do? Or God, I'm, I didn't sign up for this. But Peter's saying, Foster that passion for good and let it be something that sits deep inside of you. It's not just because, oh, I'm reading the Bible, but it's something that the Lord is placing inside of you that would that would motivate you, that would move you, that would, would drive you to live for God in this manner. You know, I was, I was talking to um, some of the family that were 
uh, came to visit during the holidays, and they're telling me on the, from the mainland that they they got this, bought this electric car, you know, and it was cool. I was asking him questions about it. I think it was a Kia or something, and 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 also as they're talking, what leaked out is their passion really for doing our part, you know, for the environment, driving electric, trying to go away from the fossil fuels and, and all of that. And, and I was thinking, yeah, you know, w- w- we want to take care of God's creation and we want to do our best in that way too. Um, and, and, and we want to be part of that, part of that. Some people are really passionate about that. They get into that, that, that and they want to do it. And I think it's a good thing. And we see our society moving in that way and our society talking about it more and more. We can be passionate in a lot of different things, not just the environment. Maybe some people get passionate about, about the corrupt government and they, they watch the news and read things and they get all fired up. Yeah, see this, see what they're doing, see what... You know, we, we can get really passionate about that. We, we can get passionate about, wow, end-time prophecy. Look what's happening with Russia and Russia being in the Middle East. Or how does the attack on Ukraine connect to Ezekiel 37, 38, you know, all the prophecies. We can get all passionate about that. But I was thinking, how about doing good? Peter's saying, look, foster that good. Foster a passion for good. That we would live in this manner, in a hostile society, in a society that we're we're already moving into that is hostile to believers. That we'd be passionate about continuing to live the life that God wants us to live. To react in the way He would want us to react. Our passion for good, Peter's calling us to be it should be much more than these other things that we may be into. That's what the Lord is calling us to do. Sir John Seeley said, No heart is pure that is not passionate. I like that. We want to have a pure heart, not a divided heart. Let's be passionate about the things of God and when I'm talking about the spiritual aspects of who we are now, our character that God is making us and molding us to be. That should be that passion. It starts here. How to be weathering the storm? It starts here. Number one, foster that passion for good. That's how you weather it. You keep doing the good God asks you to do. Number two, the second thing he mentions is that fear not when trouble comes. Fear not when trouble comes. Now, this is verse 14. It says, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Now, Peter goes on, Yeah, you know, if you do good, it's hard for people to really want to harm you because you're, you're such a nice guy. You're, you're a good person and all that. But he says, Now, look, if you do suffer for righteousness, for doing that good, for being godly, I mean, even if you, you're loving that person that hates you, even if you're forgiving that person that, that has hurt you, even though you're giving grace that for those who despitefully use you, even if, if, if you're being so unselfish and they still are hostile to you, Peter's saying, you know what? Continue to do good. You know why? Because he says here in verse 14, you will be blessed. You're going to be blessed. 
Blessed really talks about God's favor being upon you. It's about God looking at his, his eyes, his, his attention, his concern being upon you. And you know what? I kind of like to think of it this way, that, that God is touched because you're continuing to obey him. And you're continuing to do what he says. And he's touched even though you're suffering because of it. And so in a way, you're taking the hit for him, for his sake, for doing good. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 5.10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And so there's that blessing that is returned, and we talked about the rewards in, in the past few weeks that happens when, when we receive when we're persecuted. So he's saying, look, you know, no worry, you're blessed. And whatever you're going through, you're blessed. And whatever comes upon you, you're blessed. So he says, here in verse 14, he says, uh, have no fear of them. Now, in this verse and the next verse, he starts to loosely quote Isaiah chapter 8, verse 12 through 13. And remember, Peter's quoting the Old Testament all over here. He's been schooled by Jesus, been trained by him in the Old Testament. And here, so he leaks this in. And so he's saying, have no fear of them, of those guys who are coming after you, of those guys who, 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 who are bringing trouble upon you. Don't fear it. Don't fear the situation. You'll be blessed in the middle of it all. And then he says in verse 14, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. The word trouble really speaks of those who trouble only you, those who are stirring up those emotions, and those who are putting that, those things in the mind, making you worry and stressed out and upset. So here's Peter Basically, the idea is, look, he says, now even if you do suffer for doing this good that we are called to do, even if that's going on, don't worry because you'll be blessed. So be willing now. Receive this time of suffering. Be willing to suffer for Jesus, for there's a blessing for continuing to do good. You know, I like the perspective of the apostles. You know, back in um, Acts chapter 5, when if you remember when the apostles were... Were, were beaten by the order of the Jewish religious leaders. They, they, were, they were beaten because they continued to preach Jesus. But they came out of that time not bummed out, not like, oh, how can this happen to me? Oh, God, why did you allow this? Oh, Lord, this is junk. Not, not, not at all. Oh, my, my rights have been violated. No. But in Acts 5.41, it says that they were rejoicing, that they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus' name. That's how they approached this. They were blessed in that manner to be able to suffer for Jesus. They weren't stressed out. They weren't in fear. But they were like praising God. I kind of like to look at it that way. That... The blessing is really an opportunity to take the hit for God. That, that we count it a privilege that God would, would, would actually count us worthy to follow in his steps, to be one that would take the hit. So here's Peter here. Here's the second thing. Fear not when trouble comes. You know what? Count it. 
a privilege to suffer for Jesus. I was reading a story about um, Pastor Chuck Swindoll, and he tells of a time when, and when he was in the Marines, he was called to called in to ask why this soldier did not participate in a, some event that was quote unquote required. And so the captain turned to Swindoll and was like, who do you think you are? Well, Swindoll called me and I could, I like this as an example with no fear, yeah, not trouble, not stressed out. He said, calmly, who do you think I, you are? To that, the answering that question, he said, not very much. But I want you to know why. And he went on to explain his faith and why he did not participate in what was going on. His commitment to Jesus Christ, he explained. Well, as a result, the captain's mouth just dropped open and his final words were, I admire you. Now get out. You see, we should not fear, fear when that trouble comes. Count it a privilege that, well, I want to do good. I want to follow the Lord. I want to continue to do what God asked me to do. And if I get hits, if I suffer because of it, Lord, aren't I just following in your footsteps? Isn't this what you went through? Which really is the next section we're going to see uh, next week. Listen, to suffer for Jesus, it's bound to happen. Some of you are under it right now. Don't give in in giving up. Don't give in to ah, despair or fear. But look at it as an opportunity to take a hit for God. Don't give an opportunity for your flesh. Is that what's going on right now? Is that what's being allowed? I mean, what's your automatic reaction to these things? I know me, it's like, ah, oh, oh, why, oh, Lord, ah. I was in situations like, ah, Lord, I don't like it. And it's like, okay, sorry, God. I got to trust you. Lord, I know you're sovereign. God, however this ends up, you have a plan, you have a purpose, you love me, you're taking care of me. I need to trust you and get through this. You know, perhaps a lot of what is going on is, is really an attack of Satan. It may not be like some direct someone at work or your boss is like, you're a Christian, I don't like you, and treating you bad. I mean, that's, of course, underneath that is Satan. But, it, but just maybe some everyday things and things that are happening in the family or health or whatever, whatever that is. Underneath, it could be Satan trying to discourage you, trying to get you to stop what you're doing. Isn't it crazy? I was just talking to someone this morning that when we make a commitment to the Lord, when we come to a point in our life where we're like, God, I'm going to surrender to you. Lord, I'm going to make this commitment to go to church. or I'm going to make a commitment to read the Bible every day this year. Or, or you make this huge commitment to give up something for the Lord. What happens? Boom! Your whole world falls apart. And then every, that commitment, that vow you made is like out the door. Well, guess what's happening? It's the enemy, right? The enemy trying to stop you. So... See that clearly. 
fear not when trouble comes and if it if it's suffering because of your faith in Jesus, because you believe in Jesus, because you're going to hold on to Jesus more tighter now than ever before in your whole life, and so Satan comes and tries to attack you, then you know, count a privilege that, all right, I'm doing something right then. He doesn't like it, right? Count a privilege that. Isn't that what he did to Jesus too? That you're following in footsteps of many who have gone before you. So fear not when trouble comes. There's a blessing there. God is there. And you'll experience Him in a greater way. So this is how you are to be weathering the storm. Number one, foster a passion for good. Number two, fear not when trouble comes. And number three is this. Focus on honoring Jesus. Focus on honoring Jesus. Look at verse 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. All right, Peter goes on here and gives us this this other thing now. He says, look, in your hearts now, do all these things, but but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord. In, in, In other words, he's saying, look, Don't fear these mistreaters, these people. Don't fear Satan. Simply just keep going because you want to honor Christ. You want to glorify Him. You want to do what He asked you to do because you know what? He's your Lord and He's your Savior. And when He says here in verse 15, honor Christ the Lord as holy, He's saying as the Holy One. This is God who created everything. This This is the powerful God who's asking you specifically to do something in your life. He's the powerful one. He's the sovereign one. He's, think about it this way, as being holy, he's the the majestic one. He's the glorious one. So here is God personally asking you, calling you to live in this manner. What are we going to do? We're going to honor him, right? We're going to, yes, Lord, I'm going to do that. So honor God in these things. And in that way, as you honor him, you know what? Keep Jesus, that object of your love and and the object of of your loyalty. I'll tell you, what he's saying here is like things that, as I mentioned earlier, should be deep into the core part of our soul. It's, it, it, it's something that drives us and we have a resolve in such a way that no matter what goes on in the world, no matter what goes on around us in our life, no matter what happens, inside of us is this core thing that nothing can change, that nothing can touch, that even the enemy, though he's trying to, he cannot get that out of your heart. And I think the greatest thing is, you know what, this, my life is for Jesus. I'm honoring Jesus with my life. I'm giving him all of my love as I live for him. I'm giving him all of my loyalty. And that, what is in your life, no matter what the storms are blowing all around you, that is unshakable. The rock of your salvation, I think is Psalm 62. You are my rock of my salvation. I will not be shaken. If you have that, you will not be. So what I see Peter trying to tell us is like, look, 
Make Jesus, honor Jesus, focusing on honoring Him. Make Jesus why you do what you do. Why you live this way. Why, why are you, you making choices like this? Why you continue to return good for evil? Because of Jesus. Because of, of who you are. Because of your commitment to Him. It's what like Proverbs 3, uh, verse 6, the first part says, In all your ways acknowledge Him. Acknowledge God. Or what Psalms 37, 5, the first five, uh, first. Verse 5, first part says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him. So can you say, no matter what happens, my life is committed to Jesus. My life is for Him. My loyalty is for Him. My love is for Him. No matter. I get struck by lightning seven times. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe He survived. I can't believe He even you know, stayed in, in, in doing that job. But that was his commitment, guys. So, with that in mind, he goes on here in verse 15. He's, he says, always being prepared now to make a defense to anyone who asks you for, for a reason for the hope that is in you. In other words, with that in you, you know, be always prepared to share. Why do you do what you do? You're crazy. Why, why do you keep forgiving this guy? Well, you know what? Because Jesus asked me to. You know, normal people don't do that. Yeah, not normal. I'm kind of crazy, but I love Jesus. He's in my life. Be prepared to give those kinds of answers in defense of why you continue to do good, why you continue to live this way. Why you, you're that, you know, that, um, that, that um, drawing of all the fish going one way and there's one fish going the other way? Be prepared because someone's going to say, you're nuts. Uh, yeah, I know, I'm kind of in the head, but you know what? I believe in Jesus. Peter is saying, look, when they say, why don't you recant Jesus? Why don't you just stop going to church? And then maybe your life will get great. Why don't you go along with the society and the culture right now? Why do you keep taking this position? Why aren't you tolerant of gay marriage or, or abortion? Why, why are you doing this? I want, that, the whole society, our culture is against it. Why are you against people living together when they're not married? Why do you keep talking about Jesus? Why, why don't you just get along with everybody? Aren't we in one world? Aren't we one people? Da, 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 right? Why are you standing out in this way? Well, when you ask, what do you say? Why are you holding on to those kinds of moral views? Why is it always Jesus, Jesus? Well, you know what Peter says here? He says in verse 15, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for what? Reason. For the hope that is in you. You know what that hope is? That hope is in the truth of the word of God and the gospel of Jesus that we can go to heaven one day. That we, will have, we have a future of eternal life. That our hope is that in what we know of what Christ has done, that we can have a relationship with God. That God can be part of our lives. 
the hope that we have a future here, that we have a life here and even in the future, that we know what life is about. We know who God is. We know who we are in Him, in Jesus. We know what life is all about. That's honoring Jesus. That's giving the hope. That is about Jesus, and it's, 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 it's part of the core of our soul, deep down inside. Guys, you've got to know this. And when the storms come, nothing can shake you. Nothing can move you. Focus on honoring Jesus, living out why you do what you do. You know, I've, I've heard some people tell me, like, um, <laughs> uh, some people in church here, and they, they, we're talking story, and they're like, yeah, you know, um, my family or, or my friends, they're saying, why do you spend so much time in church? I mean, it seems like they're thinking, well, is this some sort of cult or something? Or, or is the pastor, like, forcing you to do that, or, you know, in some legalistic way? Or, or, or hey, why are, you, why are you going in church, go to church all the time? I mean, isn't once or twice a year fine? Every week? Twice a week? What? And prayer meetings and, and men's and women's fellowship? All, what? what? Right? People think, there's something wrong with you. How do you answer that? How do you answer that? Well, you say, because you know what? I'm going to be with Jesus. Because I believe in Jesus. He's God. I believe what the Bible says about God. That's why. I, I, I believe that, that He loves me and He works in my life. That's what we answer with. We're not super crazy. We're not like, oh, into some cultish kind of thing. But I want to be with the God that loves me and I'm, I have found His love. And let me tell you, he says here in verse 15, that when you give that reason, he says, yet yeah, do it with gentleness and respect. That still honors Jesus, right? This is all in line with what we saw last week. Or not to like, I'm better than you. You're, you're, you're going to hell. Yeah, that's why I go to church. You know, you're, you're a sinner. No, with gentleness, respecting that they don't understand. That you need to show them who your God is. Don't take out your sword and hack them up. But love them to Jesus. Love them to Jesus. All right. How to be weathering the storm? Foster a passion for good. Fear not when trouble comes. And number, number three is focus on honoring Jesus. And then number four, follow your conscious conscience. Did I, did I spell that right? I didn't. Know. Follow your conscience closely. It's okay. You just respell it in your mind, okay? Oh, may, oh may, may, uh, Jesse, you can respell it, yeah? <laughs> just ask Mary Beth how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, right? Conscience. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, English wasn't my best subject. Okay, here we go. Verse 16 and 17, the last two verses here. Uh, it says in First Peter three sixteen, Having a good conscience... 
Oh, there it is. So that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So the last thing here, Peter says, do all this with a good conscience, or a clear conscience, we would say that too. That we don't go against what our conscience is saying, and our conscience, uh, the Holy Spirit uses that to convict us. So, why is that? Well, if you live in a way with a clear conscience, then those who come against you, like they might revile you, he, he says here, or, or um, they slander you, you know, insult you, putting you down, that they might be put to shame. In other words, they end up feeling the shame. Because you've been doing so good, and they come, ah, ah, but then they go, oh, they get embarrassed. And perhaps God might even use that for them to come to the Lord. That even though they insult you and you do good back toward them, they'll be shamed. They'll be like, whoa, look at them. They're a better person than me. It's like what Paul said in Romans 12, 20, heaping burning coals on the head. So then Peter says, look, that's why it's better to suffer for doing good. Yeah? Because it's powerful. It's a witness. And I like how he puts here in um, verse 17, if that should be God's will. I like that because in God's sovereign will, he has a plan in it. That means he has a plan. That even if you're persecuted, even the suffering comes, even if Satan is allowed to buffet you for a time period, there's a plan, there's a purpose, this is God's will, and you know what, that should give us comfort and confidence. That, well, God, you got a plan in this? Maybe I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's your will, but I know in your will you're going to take care of me no matter. In the end, I'm going to survive. In the end, I'm going to make it through. Everything isn't really falling apart because God has a will in this. And so in contrast, he's saying it's better to suffer doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. If you're living in the flesh, if you're sinning, you're going to suffer your own wrongdoing. There's still going to be, there's going to be consequences for what you've done. Now listen, this connects to this whole passage that Peter's been talking about. And I've been bringing you guys back, right? Back to where I, where I think he, he, he built up to this and started talking about our witness in the world. Remember back in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12? Peter says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds, right? And glorify God in the day of visitation. Remember, we, we learned, we studied that, that that's talking about when they get saved because of your witness, because you're taking that hit. You're suffering through all of this of what they're doing, yet you're holding to the line. You're living for Christ. No matter what Satan does, you're not going to let God go. You're going to keep trusting His will and His plan. And that day of visitation is when they come to Christ, they're going to go, wow. Your witness, how you handle this, that that was incredible. That spoke to my heart. That brought me to the Lord. They glorify God in that way. 
So remember, all the way back to 1 Peter chapter 2, 12, and you went on to talk about how we relate to the government, submit to government, verse 13 in chapter 2, or, or servants be subject to your masters. We talked about how employees submitting to their bosses, even if they're bad. Uh, we went on chapter 3 here, verse 1, talked about our marriage relationship, as, as well as uh, likewise, wives, Peter says, be subject to your husbands, even if they're not following the word, even if they're not saved, that you may win them without a word. And then verse 7, he's, she says, likewise, husbands, even if you're married to your wife who's not saved in the same way, you're being a witness. You're trying to win people to Christ. So you see, our, our conduct, how we handle these things, how we go through these suffering, Peter's saying, look, that's powerful. God can use them. But then he's saying here, right, in verse 17, uh, them for doing evil. You know, there's no peace in sin, right? And, and it gives people to come against you if you're in the flesh and all of these things. They don't really see Jesus. But if you follow your conscience closely, follow the Spirit be the best to bring people to Jesus. If you make that effort, you're going to be a powerful witness. Listen to me. See, what, what God is saying here, what God is saying, it's, it's not that you just survive, all right? Just kind of get through it. Though sometimes I feel like I'm just getting through it. But, but that's not the purpose. And it's not so much that you're going to defeat that enemy around you, but it's to win that enemy who's coming against you, that, that one who's persecuting you, that one is making you, you, you suffer. It's, it's to win that enemy, to bring, him, bring that person to your side, to turn them to what? Be saved in Jesus Christ. So follow your conscience closely follow these things put it in you where it's deep in you so so when you go against it your conscience is going to tell it look hey you're doing wrong get back to living this way to best be able to bring people to jesus christ i was very moved by something john macarthur said and i'm not it's not gonna be on the screen it's kind of long but i just want you to listen all right he wrote, it may be when you suffer unjustly, you might have the opportunity because of how you take that suffering to lead someone to Christ. It may be that when you suffer unjustly, the Lord will give you great and glorious triumph over the demons with whom you wrestle. It may be that when you suffer unjustly, you might become a source of safety for someone else who sees how you weather that storm. Listen, as we close here, God is calling us to live differently than we ever lived before, to be different than we ever been before, to not just cruise in our Christian walk, but to step up to this level of living, to whatever trials or troubles or persecution, whatever happens, whatever kind of attacks that happen, that you're immovable, that, 
in the core of your soul is Jesus. Is Jesus. And that's what leaks out. That you're not, you're not drawn into temptation with, with anger and, and, and emotions and saying things you shouldn't say. But in the core of your being, you're solid and you keep to that path that God wants you to keep. Even if, even if you're facing death because of your faith. I'll close with this. Um, it's about an early church father. Um, they're the early church leaders after apostles were the early church fathers, the leaders in the church. And this man was named Polycarp. It's told how uh, Roman officials uh, took him in and they threatened him. When they first brought him in, the, the officials were surprised to see such an old and frail man. They tried to get Polycarp to offer a pinch of incense before the statue of Caesar and just say, Caesar is Lord. They, they were trying to get him to recant Jesus. That's all he had to do, and he would be released. The pro-council, the Roman pro-council, the judge there say, said, have, you, have, have care for your old age. I'll set you free. Polycarp replied, 86 years I have served Christ, and he has never, never done me wrong. How can I blaspheme my king, my savior, my God? The pro-council threatened that we're going to throw you to the wild beast. You'll be eaten alive. Polycarp just calmly, gently said, it is well for me to be released from this life. This is hope. The pro-council said, oh, okay, in that case, you will be burned alive. Polycarp, Carp, without wavering, said, I fear not the fire that burns for a moment. You do not know the fire which awaits the wicked in judgment. Well, with that, Polycarp was placed on the wood, a whole pile of wood to be burned and um, he, he was he was set there, and you know he started to praise the Lord as he's standing there. The crowd all around were watching, and the Roman officials. <laughs> and he said this: He prayed to God. He praised God, saying, "I give you thanks that you have counted me worthy of this day and this hour, that I should have a part in the number of your martyrs in the cup of Christ." <clears throat> they said when they lit the wood the, around him, that the fire actually arced up around him and didn't burn him. And then it was, uh, the soldier by him was ordered to, 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 pull, to, to, um, with the, to take his spear and just plunge it into him. And it said that when he did that, the blood, his blood came out and extinguished the fire. He died <clears throat> there. But they say that Everyone was quiet and astonished to see someone who believes in Jesus die like this. They've never seen anyone die like that. So no matter what you face, no matter the storm, no matter how severe it is, listen, we'll survive, but not just survive. We're going to triumph in Jesus. We're going to triumph 
in our lives to see the people, even those who are, who are coming against us, to be saved by the power of God to how we live. So you guys, this is it. This is what Peter's telling us. This is how to be weathering the storm. Let's pray. Lord, I'm moved by this. To study this passage and to hear what Peter has written, what you, God, are calling us to do. Lord, I want this to go all the way down into the core of my being, into the core of my soul, of who I am. And I pray that it would do that for all of us here in this room, everyone connected online. God, that we would stop being shallow Christians, that we would stop being Christians that are tossed to and fro with the storm, that we won't be those Christians that are constantly Oh, have faith in God, not have faith. Trusting God, not trusting God. Being angry at God, loving God. Lord, that we won't just be thrown around by the enemy, but that we would find ourselves solid, connected, standing on you, the rock of our salvation. And that we can say, no matter what, we will not be shaken, God. Lord, let our eyes and our hearts go to you, God, you are a God. You love us. Jesus, you died on a cross for us. You rose again. You shed your blood so we can be forgiven. No longer are we under condemnation. Now we're your children. Now we belong to you, God. And may that confidence help us to get up, to keep moving, to move forward in whatever storms we're in. To not be, be stopped, but that we would even be urged to go more forward because of what's going on. Lord, we all face different things. But God, we know that you are our strength, Lord. We know that we have a hope in you that as we continue to do good for you, God, you are good to us. So Lord, work in us, work through us, Work in this situation. God, work a miracle like we've never seen before. Powerfully work. May we pray harder and longer than than we've ever prayed before. May we seek you more harder and longer. If the opposition comes trying to knock us, knock the feet out from under us and stop us from going to church, may we go more. May we be even more committed in serving you. God, may (coughs) there be nothing that stops us because nothing can stop you. God, I just want to take a moment right now and Lord, you're speaking today. Whether you're online or you're here in this room, God, I know you're speaking. Take a moment. Everyone here, just your eyes closed, heads bowed. In the silence of your heart, everyone there online, just stop what you're doing. Stop what's going in your mind and be serious about what the Lord is saying right now. Take a moment to to respond to the Lord. Dedicate your life to God. Surrender to Him. Give your life to Him. Stop the wandering. Put your full attention upon God now, your whole life. Don't let God just be an elective or, or just... Oh, a a part of my life on Sundays and then the rest of the week, nothing. 
that let him become everything right now. I want you to take that moment and call out to God in this way. And if you're really going through it, you know what? Call out for help. Because God is here. And he wants to help you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to heal you. He wants to, to be right there next to you to assure you and give you security in him. So let's all just take a moment right now in silence in our own heart. Talk to God. Lord, we come to you right now and we call for help, Lord. We need you. And we ask in in your name, Jesus, in Jesus' name, in your powerful name, Lord, will you work mighty things? Will you work mightily in us, Lord, through us, next to us, those around us who are hurting so much? We who are hurting and need you right now. God, pour your love out, Lord. Work miracles, save, rescue, deliver, free. God, free us from our own bondage. God, that's why you died and rose again. We believe in you right now. We believe in your love. We believe in in your works. We believe that you care for us. We believe, God, that you are here for us. So we appeal to you right now. Lord, I pray for anyone here that they would feel your touch, God, and that your spirit would come upon them right now, Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.